Since the end of the Korean War, the South Korean population has grown to be an average 13 centimeters taller than their northern counterpart. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused. <laughs> now you have to do it again. I, no, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. My audio side is fine. <laughs> fuck off, I'm Rasmus. <laughs> and I'm here too. And I'm Jan. I need, I need fuck off, I'm Rasmus on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep. give people more ideas. Come on. Yeah. Hey, Keys. Welcome. Hey, thanks hey. for having me. No, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we've been sort of thinking about having you on for quite a while, but yeah. uh, for the few people out there who don't know what a Keith Decent is, could you give them an introduction? Uh, I can try. Uh, I am an artist, uh, I guess, slash inventor uh, from from New York. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the rundown I give people because it's mm -hmm. hard to describe exactly what I do most days. So uh, yes, <laughs> but just calling you an artist, I feel is underselling it a bit. Fair enough. Um, I'm a woodworker, a metal worker, an artist. Uh, I do now I do 3D printing and 3D design a little bit like I just I'm, a, I'm mainly a designer and an artist and I've had about a, a million hats that I've worn and continue to wear as needed so what what would you say is sort of the most prominent hat at, at the moment um it's just the design hat in general I think right now it's yeah. it's it's for me it's more about um iteration of ideas and getting getting the designs out there uh I've become a lot more well-rounded in a lot of the different disciplines I use um, whereas woodworking was a good catharsis for the last few years, uh, for four or five years, um, it's been, uh, tapering off for me as my main, um, my main way to express myself and to, and to get my work out there. Um, I've reached, I think I've reached my limitations with woodworking as far as I don't want to be the guy who's hand cutting dovetails, but I do want to yeah. be the guy who can put something together that looks good and doesn't fall apart. And I'm, I'm there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been able to solve the design problems with woodworking that I think I'm going to have for now. And then the rest of the problems I'm leaving up to other disciplines, which I'm, you know, buying all the equipment for and going broke constantly. <laughs> I, I know the struggle. It's always a new shiny tool out there. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just got um, when I started doing the math. Yeah. I mean, I nobody knows, but I invented something last year. Um, that is, uh, has been taking off recently. It, it's, um, a silicone work mat that converts your, uh, leftover epoxy drips and, and the bottom of the stuff in the bottom of the cup into tools instead of just being hard blobs of plastic that you peel off your mat and throw away or that you rip out of the bottom of the cup and throw away. It converts it into like stir sticks and stuff like that. And uh, so I've been doing that way. Yeah. That's really thank you. Nice. Thank you. Um, it was one of those ideas that like, when I had it, I was like, well, there's no way no one else has thought of this yet, right? Because like everyone who's seen it has been like, how does how is this not already a thing? Because it makes total sense. Um, just nobody It's it's one of those almost too obvious ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's just combining two things. It's just making a flat mold that is also able to be worked on. But like no mm -hmm. one wanted to go through the trouble of trying to figure out like how wide of an offset can you have between things for the depth of the mat before like the walls of the mold sections like start flopping over under a workpiece or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot of math involved, which is not my strongest suit. But luckily it's geometry, so I was kind of prepared for it. Um uh, so, so you uh, it uh it is specifically made to be a working mat. So you yes. put whatever you're casting right on top on top of this. Yeah. And then you're going to just spill whatever leftovers you have into the mat itself, and that turns into whatever. Yeah. Did I, did I recall correct, correctly that you also made 
a thing for uh, holding razor blades uh, into was, all of that? I was working on it. Uh, okay. I couldn't get it to the point where I was comfortable releasing that as a thing that wouldn't cut people's hands if they didn't do it exactly right. You know, <laughs> like, because it, oh, it liability issues. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it was basically two halves of a handle that had the indent of a razor blade in it. And, you yeah. know, just like most of these, um, like, uh, injection molded things are, but it was thinner and solid. And uh, you'd have to glue both halves together and mm. around the blade. And then the thing was, if you didn't really do that right, it could split back open when you're putting pressure on it. And it was just like, mm. I could avoid that, and most people I, I I would imagine that would use it could avoid that, but there's always that one person that doesn't, and that's the last thing I need, so they can go yeah, buy a utility yeah. knife at the store. <laughs> I, I, I see like that being one of those that it's a really good idea, but it might not be yeah. a safe enough idea to it's, sell. Exactly, yeah. it's it's It wasn't quite there, so I just didn't do it. Um, yeah, there was a lot of tools that I was designing that didn't quite make the cut, um, I had one mat that had all sorts of crazy stuff all over it. It had like little characters and letters and stars and, and comets and planets and all these cool things that you can just like put into wow. projects if you want. But for now, for starting it, I figured everybody needs stir sticks, scrapers, spreaders, painters, pyramids, mm. all this kind of stuff. And mm. that is what should be in the inaugural version of this mat. Um, yeah. I have... I mean, I spent, I mean, just those, just like stir sticks, which are what rounded rectangles, like just getting those right took like a month of sitting in Illustrator, getting everything dead on and then getting it on the CNC and getting it tested and making sure that it worked. You know, I had to have the exact right stiffness of silicone to have it be able to roll up and be useful and, oh. and also still hold up to being a work mat because a lot of the silicone work mats that you find aren't. Um, 100% silicone. They're a silicone with a, with a rubberized additive added in to stiffen it up. Or it's a much harder silicone, but that's why they only do things like have a very um, low depth grip pattern on it as opposed to something that is like what I'm doing. So everyone's afraid like, oh, you th you're afraid someone's going to rip you off. I'm like, a big company would have to invest like a couple million dollars into tooling in order to get exactly what I've done. Not Not to mention paying a designer to get it right you know for however yeah. many months that takes them so i wasn't i'm not too worried about it yeah no it's i think you really struck gold here both in sort of the, the the style of uh product that it is and also in the style of manufacture where it isn't really a feasible thing as far as i recall you talking about it mm -hmm. on instagram it's not really an easy thing for a big company to iterate on because yeah. the cost of getting started for them will be so immense. Exactly. Whereas but for you, it's just like, no, I'll, I'll spend half an hour on the evening and then it will take me three weeks and then I have a prototype. And Yeah, exactly. It's I'm able to do it because I'm smaller and I'm nimble and I can adjust. And because digitized home manufacturing equipment has become pretty pretty yeah. pretty affordable i mean i still had to spend what thirty five hundred dollars on my cnc in order to get this business going which is not money i had at the time mm. but um yeah i mean that was that was the big the big sink for for money and everything else has just been time and i've been trying to do it in a way that i don't spend too much money because i didn't know what was going to happen you know because you can have the best idea in the world but if no one sees it and these days it's really hard to get people to see stuff then it doesn't really matter yeah. you know so where are you at sort of in scale now? Like how many masters do you have going to produce um, new ones? I have five masters. 
Uh, the, oh, wow. sil- the silicone takes between 17 and 24 hours secure, depending on the weather. And um, wow, okay, yeah, the the two part the 50 50 mix translucent silicones take a little longer, but they come out much nicer and more customizable uh, color wise. Mm. Uh, I could get a product that's like just blue, and then every mat yeah. would be blue. But no, no, man. Yeah. When I when I set out, that, to do- you're losing sort of the artist touch if it. All of it looks at them. Yeah, when I set out to do this, I was like, if I have to make the same exact object over and over again, I'm going to lose my mind. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So at first when I was doing it, before I had the process down to like a science for myself, uh, doing custom, like making them fun, making them look like flames or space or like underwater or an overland map from a video game was like a, mm-hmm. was like the way I kept myself interested in it uh, through the process. But then I got good at it. So now I just have... Uh, now that it blew up, I just have like the seven color pre-order thing where I just pour it in a color and, you know, move along. Yeah. Uh, much fewer, much fewer. Um, I have to clean out a lot fewer measuring cups that way. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So are, are you kind, are, are you still waiting on this to grow bigger? Yeah, it's going or to. Um, right now. I mean, is it going bigger on itself or is it something where you want to nudge this into being a bigger thing? Uh, I'm nudging gently because I know that at any moment it could be rediscovered. Like I just had a post on TikTok last month, like February 8th that went viral. And uh, that video, I had to post other videos and whatever, but you know, sometimes something just takes off. And I think I opened it using my stern, annoyed dad voice saying like <laughs> saying like stop wasting money or something like that and people were like oh yeah. what and then they, they tuned in and then mm-hmm. uh so that took off and got like uh one and a half million it's like 1.7 million views right now on tiktok and like that, that's all right every single comment is praise every single comment is i need one of these how are you sold out already i had 10 i, I had 20 mats ready to go at that point and they sold out that day and then wow. i had to get the silicone shipped to my house for the next ones because it's 50 pounds of silicone. It costs a pretty good amount of money. So it's, yeah. you know, it took a while, but, um, eventually I got it all sorted out to now I do pre-orders of 15 mats at a time. Cause that's what I can get with no overage with no mis- with mistakes built in from a 50, 50 pounds of silicone. I can get 15 mats, 10 small, five large. Mm. And then, um, that, so that works out and I get, there's no, there's a lot of wiggle room in there. So it, that's where I'm at now in the production process and scaling. But I know that any moment it could just tick up at a huge, like a sheer cliff face, just, you know, go up. And um, I'm ready for that because I, I have enough cash saved now uh, to be able to buy two or three orders at a time. And if I cram my time, I can do 15 mats in three days. So wow. I, have a 14, yeah, yeah. I have a 14 day lead time uh, for, for pre-orders, 14 business day uh, lead time, which is something that I, I was like, I'm going to say business days. So it's really like 20 days. <laughs> Um, yes, and That's that gives smart move. <laughs> that gives me the maneuverability to to screw to just completely fuck shit up if I if I do by by accident and still my my end goal is to always meet the orders and to always have the thing in someone's hand when they when I said they'll have it and as good as I can get it to them. So, so you planned in a lot of um, extra time doing the pre order thing, which is a good thing. But can you already feel that it's like cutting away from your creative time? Because uh, that's cu- like full-blown manufacturing at the moment, right? Yeah, it's cutting away from my creative energy for sure. Um, it hasn't been the worst thing for me to have something to do every single day that is like a routine. Uh, however, I'm already in talks with somebody. Um, I was contacted by a lot of people when that post blew up about manufacturing. And a lot of them were just kind of 
blowing smoke and making himself sound important and stuff like that. But one guy got through to me and he runs, um, I don't want to say too much about him because he didn't, he doesn't know I'm talking about him. Uh, so, but he, he runs a, a mold making company and, um, oh. he has the facility and the time, um, due to a dip in his business where he was just like, I really like the idea. Here's how I do my work. Here's my workflow. Here's what I think. Um, and we got on a couple phone calls and emailed back and forth a bunch. And I'm confident that he is able to handle my manufacturing um, from anywhere to what I'm doing now to a 200% increase, 2000, 2000% increase. Wow. I'm sorry, math. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a business. And he can handle that. And then I don't have to do wow. any of that. All I have to do is process the orders and send it to him. And uh, the rest is on his end. So, you know, we're talking about that, working that out and figuring it out. Um, and then I have my big secret plan, which is going to make um, the end game for me is to be completely untouchable by another company when making these mats because it is a good idea. And someone is going to literally they can't they may not be able to manufacture the way I do, but they can dupe my mat in two seconds just by pouring yeah. epoxy all over it, flipping it over and pouring silicone into it. And then they have my exact yeah. design. Um, so that's a little treat for everyone listening. If you really want one at the utility mat on Instagram, see what I'm talking about. Uh, you can have your own company. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, my end game goal, and I've already figured out how to do it is to have a completely customizable print on demand mat with, um, available tools to, you can put in yourself. You build the mat with tools, uh, that are available on the website. Oh. And yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. um, they are going to be completely uh, customizable. So all these niche industries like uh, tabletop RPG players, um, people who make uh, keycaps or keyboards, people who may mm. do do um, cake decorating. I've heard from all these people who want to have their tools in the mat. And for me, to that that's like a two-week process to get a master that contains that. But now I figured out how to do that in a way where I will be able to offer a template on the site that you fill with the tools that you want on the mat. And then it comes to you in the same time that a regular mat would. Marvelous guide. That would be um, wicked cool. Yeah. yeah that's, that, I weren't even thinking that far, but I, I was half thinking like, Ooh, like maybe I could, could, could suggest something mm -hmm. new and revolutionary, but of course you're already 10 miles ahead of yeah. whatever I was thinking of. Yeah. And the goal, and the goal there is to have user, user generated content from the community as well. So that I don't know anything about what people on a tabletop RPG want. I don't know. I just learned what a, um, and now I can't remember the name for it, Greebles. You know what Greebles are? Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. yes. Greebles, right? Is it Greebles or Greebles? Greebles. Yeah. Yes. I just, learned, I just learned about Greebles like last month. And I'm like, I don't, it would take me a year to figure that out and design a mat for it. But like one of them could do it in probably half a day. So, you know, why not? Or they already have like a 3D file. They've already got the files. Yeah, exactly. So if they can upload that and then it can be integrated into my process, then that's perfect <laughs> yeah because that I, I was sort of wondering like why would people want to buy more than one mat and of yeah. course the obvious answer is maybe because you could cost different things in different mats mm -hmm. like you could have one that is or for uh model makers mm -hmm. then you can have one that for that's more for makers containing sort of stir sticks and what whatnot. Yeah, exactly. But now I can do that instead of it taking me weeks to months to a year to figure out how to get that master and how many I'm going to need. Cause like, you know, some guy wants uh, a very specific thing. I, what am I going to spend three weeks making a master? And then that guy gets one mat and then I put it on the shelf and mm. never use it again. No, that's terrible. 
uh, or he doesn't yeah. get a mat. He doesn't get what he wants. So this way, it's good on both ends. Yeah, I'd say so. I have a different question for you, though. You seem very certain about the fact that you are an artist first. <laughs> yeah. Where does that come from? Both uh, the certainty and the artist bit of it uh, for you. Um, I don't know. I've just always known um, that that's what I am. It's it's hard to describe, but I'm um, a fortunate person in order to just kind of have been born into a life where I could have realized that and made that decision at a young age and then followed that trajectory as best I can comfortably for, uh, mm. for you know, the rest of my years. Um, even running the company, doing the mats right now, I, I, I almost consider it an art project. You know, like, let's see where this can, like, let's see, you know, I'm not trying to be a silicone mat magnate in my 60s or something like that. I'm like, it's going to end. It's going to, once I get it to its final conclusion, then I'll see where I want to go from there. I might sell it off to somebody or something. But like, um, yeah, I just think it's an interesting because I've never been like running an actual business before and doing this sort of thing, like product development and things like that. It's, it's A, it's yeah. good skills to have, but also B, it's just kind of fun. You know, if, if you do it right and you keep the risk low, it can actually be a fun exercise. Um, yeah. and that to me is, is art just, just living an experience of something that is not, that is new to me. Um, it's almost like acting in a certain way in, 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 in some ways, you know, it's like a performance. So that's been fun. Yeah. I haven't thought about it much like that, but, uh, I, I recognize a lot of how you describe <clears throat> like the product development phase of this as a bit of art in why I enjoy doing it in my own business. Mm -hmm. That it is, uh, it's, it's mostly about the fun of figuring out not only how can I make one of these, but okay, how can I make 10 of these identical or ish? Mm -hmm. And then after that, how can I make 50 in half the time it took me to make 10? Yeah, and it's also gotta be something people wanna look at. Everyone forgets that yeah. about utilitarian products. Some of the most iconic things that are niche products, like if you look at vintage tools and stuff throughout the years, the stuff that grabs your attention is the stuff that looked fun. It looked good. It looked like you wanted to use it. It was inviting. And that's that's a design problem more than anything else. But there's artistry in that as well. And I could have just made a grid that was all stir sticks and whatever. But I spent, you know, an extra couple afternoons getting it all arranged in a way where it's like on the big mat, there was a um, there's a there's something that looks like a cheeseburger on there or there was. I don't know if it's on the big mat right now. There was a, there's a cheeseburger, there's a sunrise um, on the original mat. Like there's all sorts of crazy things built out of the shapes in a way that was like, you know, just me messing around and making it familiar to people because as simple as an idea as it is and as, as, as useful as it is and as good of an idea as it is, it's still a weirdly hard to approach idea because there's still kind of a disconnect in people's brains because of the time lapse, I think, that happens between you know, yes. the the thing doing the work for you. Like it's a passive process that takes however long it takes. And you can't really, it's hard to show it. It's hard to explain it. But once people get it, they're like, oh, all right. Because I spent at Maker Camp, I spent probably half the day trying to explain to people what it was. And I was holding the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris Cash was like, oh, I thought it was like a floor mat. I was like, I was going to tear that thing up in about an hour if I have to stand on that. I'm like, it's not a floor mat. It's <laughs> No? Yeah, but Chris Cash is not uh, the most elegant human being. <laughs> no, no, but he's a sharp guy. And that that, he, that, he is. that told me that I have to change my messaging a little bit on it and really get basic about it. Just be like, yeah, you're wasting money. Stop it. You're wasting plastic. Stop it. This is going to help you. Just trust me. 
Like, yeah. yeah, and and looking at it now, like yeah, there's definitely something kind of hamburger like yeah. on it, and there's yeah. a sunset thing, and it's yep. yeah, the Big Mac has a yeah, the Big Mac has a sunset and the, and the cheeseburger and the um yeah stuff like that on it. It has a it had a waterfall at one point. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, it's kind of see it's that kind now. Of, it's not there anymore. It's kind of in the top left. There's a bunch of stir sticks that co- come vertically, and then there's a cloud of uh, washers underneath that look like like uh, foam spray. But I think I ah. re- I think I rearranged no. a bunch of stuff. Uh, at least on the product picture on the website, there is something that kind of resembles a waterfall in that sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I would say, yeah, like having it arranged in that kind of a beautiful way really does help sell the product mm-hmm. because it makes it into so much more. Yeah, for, it, it familiarizes the customer with it before they even know what it is. So mm. that's helpful. But that's how I'm trying to drag artistry into this industrial process, which for me is kind of an art project. You know, it's it's some people like to bring art to like the inner cities and, and, and dilapidated buildings. And some people like to bring it overseas and some people like to bring it into people's living rooms. And I'm just trying to bring it into an industrial setting and see, you know, how I can be an artist and be an entrepreneur at the same time. Even though I do not like the word entrepreneur because it sounds like I'm taking huge risks and I'm not taking that big of a risk. Uh, silly question though. Did you do like an instructional thing of showing, pointing out like, here's my thinking process between specifically these items? I did not get super specific on a lot of it, mostly because I've got about a minute to explain everything I need to about the mat. And then, yeah. so you do it over multiple videos over a series and then people see those videos at different levels, you know, so they they, yeah. they catch on differently. So three or four times, I think I've explained what the tools are when they come out. I've shown how they come out, how they fit together. Cause a lot of the tools actually um, snap together in different ways. I made them standardized. So all the thicknesses match all the gaps in the tools. So wherever there's yeah, like, there's a, there's a spreader comb on there that you can use to make um, drying racks and tool stands. And um, mm. you can take the painter's pyramids, which are um, snapped together and you can snap yeah. them onto other tools to have bases on them or to have them have sharp points or whatever. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot glue, of thinking going on. Yeah. And you glue them all together um, with the epoxy that you have left over too. So all you need to make these tools is the mat itself. Um, there's also, uh, you can, some of the, you can thicken up. So there's scrapers and they're about, you know, they're less than a, uh, uh, a quarter inch thick. They're like uh, a little over an eighth inch thick. So, you know, some formulations of epoxy, some things, it's not a very sturdy thing. It's usable, but I also have handle attachments that you can cast that you can then glue onto the top and bottom of that scraper to stiffen it up. Oh, and instead, yeah. of, instead of wasting a clamp on that, because I know that if I had a clamp on it all day to get the epoxy to dry, then that's bothering me because I need that clamp for something else. Um, I put a clamping system into the mat. So there's wedges and um, there's um, shims in there. And there's also uh, hollow rectangles that are the same thickness as three le- three layers of tool. So if you stack up three <laughs> layers of tool that come into the mat, you put wow. that around it and you shove a shove a wedge in there. Uh, it clamps it for you. And so you don't have to Damn. use any tools to build build things out of the mat. Man, okay. Oh, that's that's <laughs> big brain thinking you got going on. Yeah, I, I was in I was in quite a zone when I when I when I got into it. Cause I, I I bet. Yeah, all these things just presented themselves to me and I was like, oh that's a good idea. Oh that's a good idea. Oh that's a good idea the whole time. So Yeah, it's it's like a complete tool card just out of a single Yeah, mat. just out of a thing. And imagine if imagine what it's like if it served your niche specifically. Like that's a very powerful it's a very powerful tool and it pays for itself over time, which is even cooler. Have you have you had people come back and sort of show 
how they've used it? Oh yeah, lots. Yeah, uh, mostly when they right when they get it, I think people are very excited about it, and then they go attack that one big epoxy project that they've been like not working on for a while, mm-hmm. which is great. I love that it's like getting people to like do the because I know somebody had a large epoxy pour that they were doing in multiple sections with multiple colors, and it was daunting to them. But then they wanted to see what those tools would look like when they poured them yeah. in multiple colors, because they they envisioned like how cool it would look to pull all these rainbow colored tools out of the mat, and that motivated them to to do that project right away as soon as they got the mat delivered and i was like that's really cool that made me feel good so yeah I, that's funny though you sort of change the procrastination focus mm-hmm. and you sort of break that whole barrier of oh this is intimidating and you just go oh but i want this yeah, thing but I to play with see. things yeah exactly yeah and that's another aspect of the mat there's a psychological aspect that i talked about on one of my videos that was like um uh like uh, when you carbon sequester something you are literally encasing it in something, putting it away and making sure it doesn't leach into the earth. Um, so when you throw away plastics, especially epoxy plastics, like they'll, they're going to leach into the ground. They're going to go into a landfill. But if you're a maker like we are, and I'm sure probably two out of three of you do the same thing I do, which is if you have a bunch of cool stuff and it's in a jar, even if you're never going to use it, it just stays in a jar, you know, yeah. and you're like, you know what, I better hang on to this. Cause like one day, cause this, I'm not going to throw out a useful thing. Yeah. I'd never, I would never throw out a useful thing. So it stays in a jar. And even if I never use it, it doesn't also go back in the landfill. So, you know, for, and, and hell, I go to estate sales and I buy jars of screws and fasteners and connectors and door handles and stuff that have been passed down three generations. And just because I'm like, they come with something or I'm like, maybe I'll use those. And it's like free with something I'm buying or whatever. And then it just sits on a shelf in my shelf for, you know, the rest of my life and my kids are going to get it. So that's what five generations of handing something down. That wouldn't be too bad if that happened with five or six jars of plastic that were going to go in the garbage anyway, you know? Is the environmental focus really big for you? Um, or is I that mean, more like a bonus? Uh, it's kind of... I think it was my my primary focus, but I knew that it couldn't be the primary focus of the product simply yeah. because not everyone has, shares the same values. Um, it, it, just on the video, some people comment and they're way way left of me on this where they're just like or you could just stop using poisoning plastics and making things i'm like that's absolutely true but if people aren't going to wouldn't you rather have them saving it as best they can you know yeah um, and then some people are like i don't care i just dump it in the trash and it's like well all right you're not gonna want this then either but yeah most people most people it's just when i was using epoxy more and more after i got like a sponsorship from an epoxy company i just started realizing how wasteful it can be just just in my work and i'm i'm as careful as i can be but i'm like i'm throwing out like i paid for this and i I didn't pay for that but i'm like this stuff i know the price of it it was expensive um i'm like everybody who works for the poxy must hate throwing out the blobs and the trash oh yeah and and i'm bad at math so and it it happens all the time yeah and it fills up your garbage can pretty quick too like that's like another thing like it's not just the mat saves plastic but it also saves uh, you're not going to buy stir sticks. Then that stir stick isn't getting shipped to you from Amazon. It's not getting shipped to to Michaels where you go and pick it up. Uh, it's not getting stored and and taking up all that carbon footprint. And also, uh, your garbage is not going out as heavy as it would have. And that saves all that transport and all that waste delivery systems carbon footprint mm-hmm. as well. So it, it really, you know, after I, I realized all this after I had the idea, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty better that, that than has some impact, yeah. I just wanted to not have to buy stir sticks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of the people that like cast resin usually do it for, say, like bottle stoppers or other stuff, like artsy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I mean, I'm used to just taking my leftover resin and pouring it in one of the plastic cups. Yeah. And just like let it stack over time and think that I make something coaster, else yeah. out of it just to <laughs> turn it yeah like turn yeah. it on the lathe mm-hmm. uh, but i found out pretty soon that if i have different projects and if the colors are if i use too many colors and it just doesn't look good so what i have at the end is like a big piece of different colored resin which looks like <laughs> some yeah, of you th- in the you cup think it's <laughs> you just like you throw the whole thing out just go like yeah, yeah it was a nice idea but it's just <laughs> not working like yeah, yeah, I'm never going to make something out of that. You think it's going to come out looking like Fordite or something cool like that, you know, like, the, yeah. yeah, but it comes out looking like a big old nest sometimes and like there's yeah. air pockets and like, yeah, some, there's like a hair in it somehow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you can use that as tools, you know? Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people do that. A lot of people uh, pour into cups and then turn it or they cut it up and do something with it. But then you're shedding plastic again um, yes. and into your True. shop after that. Th- these are tools that are. 100% completely usable so you don't have to break anything off most of the time. I was I was thinking like how to make like knife handles out of this. Oh yeah. And like knife knife scales would be kind of yeah. easy because then you talk- can you could limit that to being mm-hmm. half an inch thick, but it yeah. needs to be thicker than a quarter I think. Uh you could stack them. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have true. Three, you got three or four pockets on. I'm literally working on this problem right now with with uh okay, Jeff, cool, with, cool. with with Jeff. <laughs> yes, for, of uh, course. For uh, but then, then the next Next challenge of that is hidden tanks. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean, if if there would be some way of maybe even casting the knife tang itself into the I handle, mean, you could just drop it into the pocket that has the uh, the epoxy in it. You know, like true. yeah, and let it harden around it. <laughs> so that's not too bad. If I just did a, um, it, I, it's a problem I could probably solve, but not right now because then I would, I'll just be sitting here in silence, staring off in the distance. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if there is a way but, to but channel it, so you, cool. could, it, you could effectively drop the knife tang into the into the pocket while you're casting it, and then have it come out, and then you could sandwich that if you need to in thicker pieces. Yeah, but I'll figure something out. I know I did yeah. a stacked handle uh, with the washers for uh, five for a couple of files that I had because everyone's always like, "Why? What are the washers for? What are the circle shapes?" And I'm like, "Well, they're just you know they're a useful shape." I I used them for um for non marring hold downs on the CNC because I don't do a T track I just buy another piece of MDF when I screw mine up so I use I use screws um but if I have a piece of plexiglass I'm not screwing through that so I use the epoxy washers and they hold it down perfectly and I don't care if the I don't care if the bit drags past it you know yeah yeah and no then, that's a good one as well yeah and for the file handles I just stacked a whole bunch of them up like coins and glued them together on the handle and it was perfect cool yeah. But yeah, like that, like thousand and one different uses. That yeah, I mean that's I, I just people keep thinking up stuff for it, and I keep thinking up stuff for it. There's not enough of them out in the universe yet to uh, to really have a community going that's like coming up with good with ideas and uh, that are connected or anything. But I'm working on the website to to break it off of because I sell them on my website. So I'm working on a the, the utility mat website that will be you know right. more more in gear towards that. You know, uh, do you have uh, any rough estimates? On how many have sold in total? Um, I've done about eight drop, nine drops, uh, under a hundred, but getting close. Yeah, that's still a lot. Yeah, and, and I mean, most of that was the last two months, so yeah, <laughs> no, it's not too bad. It's a pretty recent thing. I think I invented the thing like maybe a year. It was September, I think, when I finally maybe. So it's probably it's probably last summer that I invented it, and then so now it's going to be about a year at the end of the summer. Did you have the feeling like when you invented it that like you're onto something or that it was just like a completely fun project? 
Oh, no, I knew that it was something. I mean, I knew it was a good idea. I just didn't know how it was a good idea. Um, okay. I knew that it solved the problem that I wanted to solve. I just didn't know if it did it to its maximum efficacy. Um, and then that's what I worked on for, for weeks and weeks. Um, I think I took 10 full weeks of design development and purchasing materials to get my workflow as where I thought it would be. And then I spent another like two or three weeks um, screwing up materials for molds <laughs> until I realized yeah. I was sponsored by an epoxy company and I should just pour an epoxy slab and carve it out of that, which is what I did for the masters. But um, now I have different ways of making masters, so it works out, which I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. You, you need to have some secrets, even though I know you're very open about most of the things. Yeah, I try, I try to be most of the time. And when I'm all done with it, I will be open about exactly how to do it if, if people want to make their own single one-off or whatever. But what's going to happen is I know they're going to look at my price, they're going to look at the website, and they're going to look at what it costs to actually make one for themselves. And unless they need to make 400 for themselves, they're not going to want to do it. So Yeah, I, I'd imagine that just the cost of silicon is a fair amount of it's, the yeah, sales price. It is yeah. two-thirds of the sales price. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so if that if that indicates how how mm -hmm. af how affordable I am trying to make these things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine. And silicon in itself, I, at least the quantities you're buying also isn't light. It's a no, heavy yeah. chunk. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yep. And then it was yeah. It's, it, there's all sorts of stuff that you don't think about when it comes that comes along, and you're like, oh right, I have to figure out a way to get rid of buckets that were holding part A and part B silicone. <laughs> and clean them out and do it effectively and safely so they don't just end up getting chucked into a landfill yeah i don't even i don't even like just putting them in hazard materials dumpsters so i'm just trying to figure out a way to get the, get them cleaned out safely so i can recycle the buckets because they're hdpe so oh yeah yeah anyway when you started with the mats or um starting the business did you do any other products beforehand where you were able to like dip your toes into a little bit like try I've to done, sell them i've done runs of things i've sold i sell one off of my art a lot um right before this i was making rugs um yeah i was wanting the, to get into that yeah. yeah yeah and, and they're fun but i the thing with the rugs was i wasn't doing repeats so i was doing a series of uh variations on a, on a theme and that was like a series that i could sell it was almost like a product it was it was iterative and it was repetitive but it wasn't the same thing every time and that actually i think on unbeknownst to me at the time was why i was receptive to doing the mats because before that, I was like, I never want to do production on something. Um, because a few times I have in the past, it's just driven me insane. Um, I, I designed a, a record bin for uh, commercial spaces that was, you guys have walked into record shops before mm -hmm. and seen those like horrible black plywood uh, bins that they have that just look like a shelf with, a, with an angled top. And they're just yeah. like, they look like they belong in a garage and, and they're hideous and nobody likes them. I wanted something that was movable, stackable, collapsible, but also had an airiness to it and a lightness to it. So I designed something that sits 20 inches off the ground on thin legs and has a really elegant design and can hold like 280 records in a store with no deflection or um, racking and stuff like that. So there's a lot of physical problems to solve. But I did that. I made about 25 or 26 of those. And then I was like, I'm t I cannot do this anymore. Mm. So and then. Baltic birch prices went insane, so I stopped making anything out of wood for products. And uh, yes, yeah. And before that, I had 
a, few, a, a, a small run of these guys, which is the gig, the Gigasaurus, which is like uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. One of my favorite things that no one knows about or has ever seen of mine, but it's out there. It's a dinosaur Stegosaurus uh, made of wood. It can be made of anything, but it's uh, it's made of wood, and you can put your memory cards in the back, so it looks like the spines. I'm describing it for the audio. Yeah, and you're doing a good job. I was Thanks. I was trying to see like, do I need to fill in something? I was like, no, no that's exactly. <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to describe it quite a few times. Uh, it yeah. also holds Nintendo Switch games and guitar picks, so you know, there's that. Ooh, but I, um, I, I realized that a lot of these memory cards, are just, as a YouTuber, like floating around on my desk, and I couldn't keep track of which ones were going where or whatever. So it's got space for like, you can fit like 15 big cards and like seven um, micro SDs in the tail. So, oh wow, yeah. yeah, and that was fun. But they're they're more expensive than people want to pay for something like that. But I just think they're fun to look at. So, yes, I, I bet. Yeah, and every and every day I get busier, the price of those goes up because I don't want to make any more. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I've done that a couple of times as well. Oh, like yeah. trying to price myself out of a market or out of a mm-hmm. job in something. As like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes but... it doesn't. Sometimes you're making something good enough that people just keep wanting it no matter how much you start charging for it. And then you're the guy yeah. who's charging way too much for people for stuff and you just have to really deal with that on an on a you know, moral, ethical, soul level. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I don't have much of a problem with that. But yeah, mostly it... that's that's also been like uh especially like dragon tail bottle openers. Mm-hmm. I've like never made a lot of them for sale. Yeah. i at the most I had like three on hand at once. And it's like, this is the only tree I'll be able to make for months. I'll just price them fairly expensively so that they won't disappear immediately. Yeah, and yeah. maybe I can actually sell them to a friend of mine if someone reaches out and say, oh, I want that for my brother. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it gives you more leeway. Um, I, want, I, I thought about raising the prices on the mats. I ended up not doing it. But my idea was that if I do that, then I have uh, overage to send mats to my friends uh, as promotional material. And also just, thanks for being my friend. Here's the thing. Like, enjoy, you know? Um, as it turns out, uh, I had some problems with the logo on a few pores uh, where it punched through the mat because it was just um, some silicone was getting underneath the plate and it was rising uh, up. Because uh, yeah. all, all the branding on the mats is um, a separate insertable plate um, that can be changed know. out and customized if I need to. Um, so I could do yeah, custom branding. Yeah, the kind of. decent logo at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, up, top on, left. up in the corner. The decent logo on the bottom stays. Uh, up in okay. the corner, that 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 little uh, rectangle is like a branding area. But sometimes the ah. silicone gets under there and expands, and over time it pushes it up. And then you pour yeah. a mat with the same amount of silicone you've been pouring a mat for for the last month and a half, and it just punches through. So those go to influencers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that that's fine. That's also it's also nice, I think. To I've had this with a couple of knife plates where I'm laminating the steel, and I get not a lot, but just a little bit of delamination, mm. or the welding line is just so visible that I don't feel comfortable selling it off to someone who can't see it. Exactly, And it's yeah. like, I'll kick it outside and I'll bring it to markets and people can pick it up and if they don't see it themselves, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, that's fine. I yeah. also like may sometimes even have a bucket of like, here's everything I want to have disappear. I did that on one market where it's like, just pay me whatever. Yeah. it's I want it to be a transaction because I want you to value this thing. Yeah, but also I need but it But I can't put the value on it anymore <laughs> yeah. because there's something flawed in my eyes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you give it away for free, someone's going to come along and be like, I like free stuff and just take it and never, never care about it. Yeah, you got to put a price on it. That's You learn that from like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. You got to say $5 on something instead of free. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of wasted time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with the products, I before this, I'd never um, 
I never make anything on spec to sell because okay. um, I need someone to see it and know it and want it before they buy it. Um, otherwise, I will never, ever stop trying to perfect the thing that I'm making for that person and it will just kill me. And so I'm like, people will be like, oh, I had an idea for like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's a cool idea. I want to make that. So I'm going to. And then if you want it, you can buy it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if you want it changed, no. <laughs> so Yeah, I've, I've had that with a couple of customers as well. I mean, I'm, I'm very much in the same boat as you there, <laughs> both in the sense that, oh, that's a really, really cool idea. Uh, for me to actually put that in priority in my schedule, yeah. here's what that's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. But also, like this is a good enough idea that I will do it eventually, but it might take me three years to get around exactly. to it. Exactly, yeah. That's kind of how I operate. I'm like, okay, I'll keep it in the back of my mind that if I get around to it and I make it and you want it, you can buy it. And if you want someone else to make it before then, go ahead. And if you still want mine after you get theirs and it sucks worse than mine, then you can buy mine then. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a big struggle, struggle also that whole perfectionist thing, of uh, especially when you have this very concrete idea of how exactly it's supposed to be or what like perfection is for this yeah. thing, and then there's always like this something here or something mm-hmm. there that is dragging things back. Uh, sort of the, the the cure for my sake there is an empty bank account. Like no, this <laughs> needs to go out. Yeah, yeah I need to get enough. paid. I need to eat. Yeah, no, same thing. I um. I'm not a perfectionist. I am a I am a damn good okayist, uh, if anything. <laughs> but like, the mats all go out fully functional. They all go out 100% usable and looking good. But there's little things on them here and there. And like, I sent one out that had like a, a little line on the back that was like just you could feel it because there was a, a string of hot glue that got into the mold and I pulled it out before it fully cured, but it was still there. And I was like, uh, sorry, and sent like a piece of art as well with it. And I was like, enjoy this piece of art. Like, it's, I'm not going to give you a refund. You don't need it. Like, let's be realistic. Like, if you have a huge yeah. problem, get back to me. But like, have this, have this like weird thing that I made <laughs> also, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's, and I thought, I thought when I was making the mats and stuff like that, I'd have more time for the art, but it's been a little difficult to like really get my head around ideas now that I'm in like a different mode of thinking half the day, you know, cause now I'm in like, how does this get manufactured? How was the profit margin on this friggin' thing? And it's like, that's not how I like to think, but I like to think that at the end of the day, it will, um, it'll turn, turn on a part of my brain into thinking about something as art that was that I wasn't thinking about before, and then I can explore those concepts. Because I do, I do really like exploring concepts of like capitalism and commerciality and um, industry and 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 repetition and those kind of things in my art. Um, as much as I like exploring um, things about decay and 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 yeah. and, and uh, that kind of that kind of stuff as well. So I think I might get good enough experience out of it to foster something down the road that I'll work on. Yeah, I, was also that decay bit a bit of what you liked with making that giant uh, jackalope at Maker Camp? Yeah, that, the I fact like, that it was um, ephemeral—is that a word? Yeah, it was ephemeral. The whole the whole thing was. The, it wasn't just that the 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 object was ephemeral. The entire experience was ephemeral because it could only yeah. exist in from beginning to end in that time during that period, and then from there it only exists in digital recordings of it, and that's it. Uh, could could you just iterate uh, what, what it was? What what the yeah, whole yeah, concept yeah. of and and also did you participate in was it the dinosaur the year before? I did not do the dinosaur. Um, so okay, okay. Every year at Maker Camp, I say every year. It's the last two years. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a streak. That's a running well, streak. Well, the last two years that, that they did it. 
because there was no there was an online only maker camp in 2021 or 2020. Yeah, because uh, uh, because of some virus thing. Yeah, everyone had the sniffles. Um, <laughs> so it was. Uh, God, that's such a terrible thing to say. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. As it's I'm fine. coughing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it was. Um, that's that's karma. I'm gonna die now. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so they build a big thing. It's like they, you build a, a Burning Man, but it's also like a Trojan horse. So they did a dinosaur. Okay. It was like 25 feet tall or whatever it was. And then you burn it to the ground. And that's what that's what um, West Treat, Mike Alm, and uh, John J.T. Woodworks, John Trimbalkis did. Um, I'm good friends with John, and I'm going to pronounce his last name differently every time I say it for the entire rest of my life. Um, uh, he deserves it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's just so nice. He deserves it. Um, <laughs> And so Mike couldn't make it to Maker Camp this year, so they asked me if I'd like to participate. And I said, sure, as long as kind of all I have to do is like what you want me to do. So I wasn't really heavily involved in the planning phases. That was Wesley. He did. He nailed that. He did a great job. Yeah, he, um, he is good about yeah. that. But I have some construction experience, and that's kind of where I came in a lot of the time was like, hey, we need to put a chalk block over here. We need to do a 45 over here to, to get this. Um, if we build, if we if we put horizontal rails on this interior part, then we can climb better later when we start cl- sh- uh, cladding this thing. Stuff like that was where I, and, and being six feet tall uh, was, you know. I'm it's, six, a, it's an advantage. I'm, yeah, I'm six two. So like. They didn't need a ladder for a lot of stuff they needed a ladder for last year because all those guys oh, are all those guys are under five. So, sorry, but Wesley, how tall is he? Because I next to you, know. he's tiny. I do not know how tall he is, but he is not six feet tall. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's shorter than me, and I feel Maybe, small yeah. next to you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, Maker Camp is fun sometimes because sometimes I'm actually the shortest guy standing around a group, and I'm like, this is fun. This is weird <laughs> because like there's always a group of like oh, yeah. four like six foot seven tall dudes who are like just standing around somewhere. And I'll just go stand next to them for a while. Was Duncan there for was it? Hmm? No, no, but oh, okay. American versions of Duncan. Yes. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so we did a dinosaur. So the, uh, we did a jackalope. Last year they did the dinosaur. We did a jackalope, mm. which was its own set of challenges because it has giant horns. And like, that's yeah. a, that's a, that's a, that's a 10 foot long thing attached by a two, by two feet of wood to a 20 foot tall thing you know it's like there's engineering challenges everywhere so we spend a week building it the entire week out in the middle of the field in front of everybody in the hot sun just building this thing getting up on a crane nailing it all together probably put about twenty thousand nails into that thing um and then on the last night you set it on fire so you build a big bonfire inside of it you you stuff it full of uh, payload and you light it with a fuse that's been soaked in like diesel fuel and the whole thing goes up and everyone has a great party around it and it's a good time. And yeah, I was talking to you afterwards about what I really liked about it. And it was that I did all this hard work and I built a thing that was monumental, you know, and we all did, Absolutely. three of us. Um, and everyone saw it and everyone was kind of involved in a way as the audience, as a part of it. It was almost more like performance art than it was a physical thing. And then we burned it down and it's it's barely even a pile of ash after that. It's just like... You know, that's it. It's just it's just nails. <laughs> and then they go up, they go out with a magnet, I think, and they clean up all the nails like, uh, you know, a month later. Um, and yeah, the, it was fascinating to me to have. It was the first thing I'd ever done on that scale on that scale. And it was definitely the first thing I've done above a very small scale that was not going to exist outside of the stories that you can tell about it. 
Yeah. Um, and that's what it was. Like you can you can watch the videos, but the videos are all piecemeal too, and you don't know what's going on unless someone was there who knows that can tell you, um, or writes it down somewhere. Or there's an article maybe somewhere who knows, but like it becomes, it's basically history as soon as it's over, and that's it. Yes, and the, that's fascinating to me because like it's not like it was the most important thing that ever happened, but the purpose of it was to only was to was to die. It, it, that was it. It was like. A whole and and because that entire time frame was encapsulated in that week that I spent on a maker camp, I wasn't coming home all the time. I wasn't working in my own shop. It was like not like a vacation, but it was like going to another planet and like building something and then leaving and never coming back. You know, um, yeah, in a way. And everyone did. We all came together, did this thing, burned it down. And I'm sure that I'm saying the same thing that everyone who's ever like done ayahuasca at Burning Man has said <laughs> at length to the person next to them who is not interested. But you know, it's like this. This is. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm like a Burning Man bro on a first date, like explaining why it's so cool that you burn this thing down after you build it. But there was. There, it was really cathartic. It was really. Um, it was just different. It was incredibly different than anything I or most people are used to. You know. Yeah, I I haven't done anything like that. The only only thing I think comes close, at least having that same feeling, is when we're building a scout jamboree, mm-hmm. and we're spending two weeks constructing a a village or a town mm-hmm. in the middle of a field to accept. At most, I think uh, we did a twelve thousand scout camp oh, wow. plus leaders and stuff. And like, yeah, we construct this in two weeks. It's it exists for a week, and then we spend a week tearing it down again. Tearing it down, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know what? If, uh, that reminds me. It, it's like I wonder what the people who built the towns that they dropped the test atomic bombs on must have felt like. Because like, yeah. they, built, they built the town. They went in there and they set up the dummies and they decorated it. Like they hired someone to decorate the interior of those houses to make them as accurate as possible, and then they vaporized them. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah and that was it that was the whole yeah, thing yeah but it has a perp that that's making something for a purpose though not yeah just i mean there was it was it was, for, it was for data but what we did was for the story and the experience so it's not yeah. like so far away in the spectrum of things but like yeah it's just it's like yeah you do this whole thing you put all this work in you make this thing and it just you, you destroy it completely it's it's a fun idea making something in in order to destroy it later on I, yeah i mean i only it's, did it's, it it's once like without knowing uh, it. sand art or drawing in the mm-hmm. low tide or something it's like it only exists purposefully yeah. just now yeah and there's those monks that do the sand art and then at the end they just like wipe it away like yeah. they spend like yeah. weeks and like putting each individual sand, sand crystal in the right place mm-hmm. and then at the end they just stand up and blah, brush it all away and it's like man why could you do that and then i did it so it's like I, yeah it happened to me once without knowing it visiting the u.s uh they were, they were making pinatas in california mm-hmm. and i always think i was like maybe 12 years old and they used to like the paper mache to to make the pinatas and i'm like oh this is cool and i started building it with them mm-hmm. and then we filled candy in it and it's like well why are they filling it with candy and then they hit it with sticks and <laughs> broke it that's but awesome I, I made it and i didn't know that it was oh. made to be destroyed and i was so sad because i spent oh. like a whole afternoon <laughs> building that oh, thing and the man. next day it was just oh man <laughs> that's amazing yeah, that's kind of a weird feeling. We built the cardboard, um, the cardboard model for the dinosaur together uh, in the breakfast mm. area, like before when we started mm. planning it. And then, like I guess last year, it got stolen. The dinosaur that they had, the uh, and we had the jackalope. And so, like um, they were really upset about 
I know Wes and JT were talking. They were just like, yeah, we're real upset about like, you know, it got stolen. We really would have liked to have that. Like, I know Mike wanted to have it. And so we were like bodyguarding this thing the whole time. Like it was in my truck with the doors locked or it was like right next to us. If we were measuring it, it was like it was like the nuclear football. Like I'm surprised Wes didn't <laughs> handcuff it to himself. you know. <laughs> and so we do all that. And then at the end, I could see like. Wes just walked up like I could see like the fire take him over like it was like mm. this whole experience was so much about the destruction of it as much as it was and saying goodbye to this thing as and, and goodbye to the weekend and, and the entire the entire experience as it was having something to look back on and he just walked up I mean this is me putting thoughts into his head on it but the, to me that's what it felt like and then he just walked up and just threw through the cardboard thing into the fire at the end and it seemed so exactly right you know it seemed like such a perfect sentiment where it was like now that i have this thing that we we fretted over so much and now that i have it and it's safe and and i, I can decide its fate i should just i need to let it go <laughs> so yeah so that was kind of like a little microcosmic metaphor for the entire project i think i i actually i uh as you were saying that i remember an event at the scout jamboree uh it was up in the far north of Norway, like okay. above wow. the Arctic Circle, midnight <laughs> sun, uh, which is an interesting experience when you are early teen. You guys are scouts are like for real, like surviving oh, oh, out there. Oh, yeah. Not like roasting marshmallows and singing songs and like wearing a little cute bandana. It's like, you know. Uh, there's a little bit of that, but it's <laughs> also sure. a lot oh, well, of running something. around cursing and climbing <laughs> mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, the, the, uh, it, it, this is honestly one of the best scout experiences I've been on because... But one thing, you get kind of high as an early teenager walking and hiking under the midnight sun. It yeah. really screws your brain. <laughs> uh, uh, to, to, uh, that's sort of how I remember it. It's like, yeah. no, we were just walking and walking and walking. And we can see the sun going down towards the horizon and then not hitting the ocean <laughs> and going yeah. back up again. <laughs> and you just incredible. keep walking because you still have the energy. And I was stopping sun, in streams. Up. Yeah, and I was stopping in streams, and I was refilling my water bottle, and uh, I had like a pocket uh, full of like uh, dried and salted cured meat that I was just walking and drinking and snacking continuously, which uh, doesn't surprise anyone, I think. <laughs> on uh, on their but, way to Eastern Garden. Yeah, uh, but but we, but, we, <laughs> uh, but we got sort of out to the other side of we walk across the whole island, uh, Senja, uh, it's called in Norway, and. We come down to the other side, we met up with the rest of the group, and we were camping on a beach for a couple of days, uh, above the high tide. But mm -hmm. a buddy of mine, he would make this amazing sandcastle, but then he forgot about where the tide line is. <laughs> yeah. And you can't I save have a sandcastle either, it's just like that's no, it. <laughs> but I have, a, I have a picture of him that I took, probably with an old film camera at the time trying desperately to build some oh, kind of damn construction <laughs> no. yeah to save the sandcastle and we even like yeah after he like defeated gone off to the mess hall to eat and all that we snuck back in and we actually like grabbed like uh, a bag of the sand <laughs> at least from that general area <laughs> yeah and we gave that to him on the flight back south again there you go save, which, we, we, saved, we saved your castle <laughs> yeah kind of some, some assembly required <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the rough bits are but in yeah, there. No, you just no, need course. to put yeah, them that's... back into orientation. <laughs> I thought about taking a handful of the ash from the from the, from the the jackalope with me, but then I just thought, it's, you know, nah. <laughs> yeah, 
Plus there were guys I mean, pee- plus there were like drunk guys peeing in at that point. So I was like, <laughs> yes, there was I, that. I was about to reach my hand in there, put it in a Ziploc and take it back with me to my house. <laughs> so just pour it, just pour it into rest and it's an excuse for everything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was gonna Brett's been quiet. I was gonna ask if he's ever hiked under the midnight sun. Uh no, I was just listening because it was uh, interesting to meet see how you develop your product and how you go and, and the thinking behind the success of the product. It's it's kind of amazing to me that someone can can come up with um the the perfect invention is the one that is so obvious to everyone that as we said before the recording, like why why isn't yeah. it a thing yet? Or oh, I see that for the first time. But yeah, it's so great, it's obvious. And yes, for makers that work with resin, uh, uh, what you came up with is it's absolutely brilliant. And I I was thinking about the fact that I think we all want to have that kind of yes. ideas. And it maybe happen once in a lifetime or twice if we are lucky. Yeah. If, if that happens. And I was I was wondering how how it gets triggered. What's the the part of research? What's the part of creativity? What's the part of art involved in in that kind of process? How do you come up with an, a, such an idea? I I guess there's somewhere somewhere in the process the random factor, the other factor of you having some resin left and singing I don't want to throw that away and and it, it's just a shame to not be able to reuse that if we could have this this thinking whilst we are whilst we are in the process of making stuff we should we could maybe come up with similar ideas like I don't I don't think that's really possible with leather because that I mm-hmm. mainly work with leather but um you see what I mean like like the being in in the moment in your creative process of making stuff with your uh, favorite material but also being um have an external um point of view to be critical about what you are doing and and how you're doing it you know in in order to be able to think about what you are doing so yeah, yeah I, I was wondering what what was the What's what's involved in in having that kind of ideas? Yeah, I, I've been saying since I started this, I'm not an entrepreneur and I'm not really an inventor. Except that I guess I'm an inventor now, but like, I, may, I maybe I have. I'm sorry maybe, to say, but you are. Yeah, you because know, it's it's a hard thing to pin down being an inventor because mm-hmm. it's like, at what point are you not iterating and are you inventing? Because this is just an iteration. This is this is something I noticed, and I was like, oh, then I can, yeah, you know, this this would be this is how it should be, and then change that. Um, I think. A lot of people want to invent stuff. I think a lot of inventors want to invent stuff. Um, I think for most of us that are mm-hmm. of the u- very unique mindset of people that can see the problem and fix it with a new pathway, we need to um, mm. need to invent something. We need to need to do the idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people want to be someone who has invented something. Yes. Instead of being an inventor. Very much. Yeah. Um, Andy Klein is a great example. He's a guy who can look at a problem, take it apart in his brain, look at a process, look at an item, look at uh, uh, an issue, take it apart and build something around it that is an invention. That is something that he invented. Um, A lot of other people like to make things Mm -hmm. that don't need to exist in the world so much. Um, Don't really make anything easier. Just (laughs) kind of like combine things into one package. And that's just like, why, you know, Um, 
I, and I think a lot of people want to be an inventor. I think you need to need to get the idea to the end point before you can be an inventor. Um, for me, I, I came up with this. I'm an artist. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but like I do now because it's such a good idea. It needs to exist. And I know that I am probably the only person in this that has – I mean I came up with the idea. So it's, it's mine to run with. I have that privilege. But um, – I'm, I'm not, not that there's only a few people that could do this. A lot of people could do this, but I think that I have the, uh, I'm already on the trail of thought where I know how this ends. So I'm the one who needs to take that torch and run it to that point. And then at that point I will decide what to do with, with the rest of it, with, with the thing itself or the process or anything. So. Yeah. Do do you feel that it, it, I'm I'm trying to phrase that correctly because feel is probably not the right word, but think is not either. Sure. So I'm gonna go with feel. But do you feel that it it is a painful process to create that not not only invent something but like create something original as you've done like your whole life? Because for me personally, it's kind of painful to have to. Um, come up with a new idea, with an original idea, and to uh, transform it into something that you can touch, like yeah, it, the, the final product. It's always mm-hmm. painful for me, but in the end, yeah. it's like the relief of having done it uh, the way you you have thought it uh, no, exactly. in the first it place. Is, How is it um, for you? It's just like anything else that is a difficult thing to do. It's 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 a journey. You know, it is both. It is, it is mm-hmm. painful and it is rewarding and it is cathartic and it is defeating and uplifting all at the same time. Um, yeah. And where you end yeah. any creative process is going to determine how many of those things you experience, obviously. Um, there's very few, mm-hmm. I feel, creative experiences that actually give you the full um, creative endeavors that give you the full experience. Um, the, the burning down the jackalope was one of them. Uh, and it was a different novel experience. That's why it stuck with me so much. Um, these mats are another one where it's, 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 I can see myself going the distance to the end of it and having the relief of, of making the thing. Sometimes you get to the frustrating point and you stop and all you have is the frustrating point and that's your memory of the thing. And that's, that's fine mm. too. But yeah, it's, it, it's painful and it's wonderful. And it's, uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be all those things all at once and, or, or all in a row, <laughs> So, I've, did you have the experience of just giving birth to a project without the the suffering, um, the hurting, the, I the think so, yeah, painful experience? A few times, but it's never the stuff that feels as important as the stuff that you suffer for. Maybe that's just the human condition more than anything else. Yeah. But when you, yeah. it's it's like when you suffer alongside something for long enough, um, you bond with it and you feel more, um, more connected. So, like my trials and tribulations through mm. this mat are like trying to hire somebody to do off off-site manufacturing was like is this what i want to do like this is my baby now like this is my thing like i have put all this work in and first you know to, to hand it off to someone who didn't do that like mm-hmm. do they understand can they understand um luckily i think i found somebody who does mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's um you form the bonds with the project and with the idea and then at some point you either have to um partner with the idea, partner with that notion and, and, and really work with it to fully get to the, get to its final destination, or you have to just walk away from it, which is, you know, kind of like with. Yeah. Raz, Jan, is it the same for you? Is it painful to create in the same way? That's 
as it is for Kiss or for me? Yes, I, I would say so because um, I I kind of I love having a new idea, and there's certain stuff about projects that I love, and there's other stuff that I just thread making. Whenever there's something I love, mm -hmm. the the prototyping aspect, I love the 3D printing aspect of it. Yeah. But I hate, for example, um, some stuff I have to do in CAD because I'm not good at it and I have a feel like I'm wasting so much time and I could be more efficient about it or I know if I in the back of my head if somebody knew what he was doing in CAD he would do it like three times faster yeah and if, I pay, I, if I pay somebody a hundred bucks they could do this in the afternoon instead of me spending a week on it yeah <laughs> exactly but because it's for me it's strictly a hobby when I do stuff it's just it's part of the process and um, I hate I absolutely hate setting supports for the for 3d printing <laughs> I have a huge bed and whenever I do prototyping and I have to do my own supports I'm actually pretty like I'm usually pretty good in 3D thinking like about like I know the 3D drawing what the product has to look like or the, the part I know where the supports are supposed to go it's just my printer has a different opinion that I do about <laughs> where the supports are supposed to be <laughs> so it's yeah. just a pain in the ass especially Happens. if you spend like four hours of printing something and you know you have to do the whole four-hour print to get that part out to see that like in the last part the support was not sufficient enough and you screwed up the part and you just like okay that was yeah. like i don't know 200 mils of resin just out of the window right there yeah that's why i click i go into the slicing program and just add supports to everything <laughs> it's yeah. just like all supports all the way up it's like scaffolding <laughs> yeah probably the way to go oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, I it doesn't feel normally painful for me to create but mm -hmm. i also very much are of the mind that only if you pick up the hot parts well <laughs> yes there's that <laughs> um in in proto if you, if i want to prototype and create something completely new uh it might not be painful in that sense but it can be sometimes disheartening of having this very big concrete idea in my mind and not being able to get it realized yeah. in a satisfactory manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotcha. that's the frustration I was I was thinking about because when you are when I am designing, when I am prototyping something, mm. that's the fun part because you are you are starting with a simple idea and you are you are turning that idea into something very concrete, something you can touch, something you can use. So that's the fun part. But there is also this frustration of not, as Jan said, with CAD, not being able to do it uh, as quickly as you, you would like to, or um, it takes too much time, or this part I don't know enough, or I'm not sure it will react the way I want it to react, or maybe I will have to redo it all over again. And right now, I'm learning, I'm learning, yes, but I, I'm also wasting time and material and energy and and all that kind of stuff. So it's not painful in a bad way. It's pain, it's painful because uh, the 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 frustration of, of not mm. being there yes. yet. Yeah. Not not being finished yet. And to be able to say, Oh, I've done that, I've made that, and it's the first one, and I'm happy, and then you can do it all over again yeah. with something different, and maybe. It's, and also, the, to, to throw that in, um, you said, right, if you're in the planning phase, your mind fills in a lot of stuff that actually won't work afterwards when you actually try it. 
Yeah. It's yeah. like in your mind you have that ready picture made, but it's just automatically filling in blanks and holes in your plan, mm -hmm. and you only realize it once you're actually doing once it, the once it fails part. on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and the the same goes for like forging things. Like, oh, of course, I just want to look like this. And then I start forging and forging and forging. I was like, no, but how do I transition from that size to that size and make it look good? Yeah. Or I'd never actually thought about how do I actually, what order of operations do I need to do this in so I don't fuck myself over when I actually move on to the next step? Mm -hmm. And yeah. what thing seems, <laughs> yeah. it's very easy to do now, but impossible to do later yeah. unless I do this thing beforehand. I've yeah. cut this thrice and it's still too short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of cheating in metalwork, whereas like I can always use the welder and like cut things off and reattach them here and there and all of that. But yes, and no, we, I, I because not not in black missing. Yes. I mean, in metal work, you're right, but not in black missing. It it would it would appear in the piece that you have you yes, have so that welded something. It's so that's process. not your goal, right? And for me, yeah. I want everything to be done with a hammer to the furthest extent that it is practically possible. Uh, I have products yeah. that there's no good way of doing them without MIG welding something. But that is not things mm -hmm. that are supposed to look hand-forged to the same extent. Like we're talking espaliers and plant supports and like decorative mm -hmm. things to hold green leafy things. And it's like, there's no reason for me to pretend that mm -hmm. this is all done by a hammer. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'll save myself all the trouble and I'll I'll do, do the, the MIG welding instead of uh, trying to do forged welding, I guess could be the alternative yeah, or something I mean, of that sort. If, if you're the only one that cares about that, then the real trick is just getting yourself not to care so much about that because nobody else does. So just go ahead and make the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but uh, for me though, it comes down to here's a problem I've been asked to solve by, solve by a customer. They, they only have this amount of money or I only ask for this amount of money. That's, that's what it is worth. That dictate, dictates fairly exactly the amount of time I can spend on it before I, quote-unquote, start losing money. Yep. Which means I need to know before I bid on a job or I give a quote to a customer how what processes I want to use simply because I then I can actually know what, uh, what expenses to cover. Yeah, and the, the, the lower my confidence level, the higher the quote. Yes. That's yeah. It. Yeah. If it's a new process, something I haven't tried, but they really want my version of it, then it's going to cost them a lot of money because I'm basically learning it, prototyping it, and fixing all my mistakes for the entirety of the project instead of just doing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a I have a couple of jobs like that. Uh, a customer reached out a couple few days ago that they wanted a ornamental key to hand over when a building project is finished. And I, I'm just looking at the pictures and I was like, hell no, I can't do any of this. And then I remember I have a brilliant friend called Jürgen who is casting aluminum bananas. There you go. I bet he can do some really fantastical key, key casting in brass or bronze for that matter. Yeah. And it's like, then I, I, I know the process that he will be doing. Mm -hmm. I know he has a CNC and can create the positive or the negative or whatever and cast with that. So it's like, suddenly... Uh, the initial thought was like, hell no, I can't do any of this. But I was like, no, I don't need to. I can yeah. outsource this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was asked to build an award for somebody one time and uh, it didn't go through. But I was like, it was like a stone carved thing. And I was oh. like, okay. And I was like, I don't know how to do any of that. But like, I'll contact a stone yard and see what they can do. And they can do the whole process. And I was like, oh, I'll just 
be the middleman on this one, I guess. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like all I have to do is design what they're going to carve into it and then send it to them. And then they send it back. Then I charge the guy. So, you know. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah. It's like, right. I don't have to do everything <laughs> myself. <laughs> like, no. When and and when, so, yeah. when it comes to doing a business, uh, that's a hard lesson to learn. That yeah, because I'm like, what kind of CNC bits do I need to carve into friggin' into into granite? And I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't need this. Hmm. Like, that's that's a whole other machine. Yes, it is. Yeah, I was like, you know, who has those? The guys who make tombstones. So I asked them, and they're like, actually, we get them carved by the guys who have the stone yard because they have that machine, not us. <laughs> so I was like, oh, ah, cool. Yeah, yeah, things you learn. Something, something, focus. <laughs> I can't get a segue to that one. Yeah, <laughs> I missed the last three chances, so I'm just... Se- segue, just segues are overrated, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got business to attend to, just be like, this is what we're doing now. You know? It's just so much it's, easier. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just once shout start. a new topic loudly enough and people will forget what we're talking about and then suddenly we're here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, sh- should we talk about our week first uh, i think Did we do we're, something we're interesting? out of time and nobody really interested i was on vacation i had a great time that was yeah it. <laughs> you, you you made it back from prague and prague is not burning no paris is burning still yeah yeah okay cool so, just checking you said you said a tiktok of someone on, on a date and it was just a car fire in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah we make it look cool for TikTok, yeah. so that's great. Yeah, that's, rad. That's, rad. that's rad as hell. I, it's I, good I'd have time a glass of wine at a cafe with a police car burning in the background, of course. Yeah, well, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. everyone has different ideas of romance, is what I'm saying. I, I, exactly. I, I, I would just say it, it's really romantic <laughs> as long as you're upwind from the fire. Yeah, very true, yes. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. That's my experience yeah, yeah. with the scouts that kicks in. It's like, no, when there's a fire nearby, I don't want to be downwind. Yeah. No exactly. matter what shit people not, are burning. Not a car fire, that's for sure. Yeah. Depends yeah. what what's burning. It could be roses, but even then, I wouldn't inhale too much. <laughs> Was not thinking about roses, but anyway, my focus of the week. <laughs> Thank you, Red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is a young lady on Instagram called Jessica Luxon Offer. I I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the the name of the account is Jessica Violins. Uh, she's making short videos, um, sh- so she's a violin maker, obviously, and she she's making uh, short videos about the whole process of making a violin, uh, which is uh, absolutely fantastic and, and mesmerizing uh, to me. Uh, in another life, I, I could have been a luthier, a, a violin maker or guitar maker, uh, I, I really like the process. It, it's um, yeah, I, I, I find it very precise, and and you have to respect all the steps, and they'd be absolutely spot on every time. Well, it's a wonderful channel, uh, not boring at all. Very bright, very interesting. Uh, so uh, go and and give her a like. So it's yeah, again, Jessica yeah. Violins, Jessica dot Violins on Instagram, and I think she's doing TikToks okay, nice. as well. Really cool work. For anyone uh, listening, that's Jessica Violins, not Jessica Violence, who that would be a really great name for somebody who fronts a punk band, though. Yes, it would. <laughs> that's true. Yep. Yeah, what he said. Uh, Keith? Oh, uh, this is the recommendation portion. So, yes. uh, so I heard that someone was, because uh, The Last of Us is popular now, uh, there's a company that is making a version based on this graphic novel, The Last Ronin, 
which is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novel from last year. I did not even know about this. I saw the article that said they want to make a Last of Us style video game based on this. And I was like, how does that work? It's a Ninja Turtles uh, graphic novel. And it is fantastic. It is dark. It is fucked up. It is amazing. It's basically uh, three of the Ninja Turtles die and one remains. And you don't know who it is. And he lives in a kind of post-apocalyptic world that is being run by the Shredder's grandson. Uh, And it's like techno apocalyptic like uh under his like authoritarian rule and there's robots everywhere and it's awesome um everyone's dead except him and you don't know who you don't know which one it is until like halfway through mm, yeah we kind of know now uh, because it's well, been linked mean, yeah but if you if you don't and yeah you, like i mean if i'm recommending this to you and you already know who it is yeah. then you've already you know who it is but like if you don't uh just read it because it's really good it's like a day you could read it in like an hour and a half two yeah. hours uh, wow. because it's only like a 10 a 10 issue run but it's done by um kevin eastman came back to to write this one and to draw a lot of the parts of it which is cool nice. um one of my favorite parts in it is the art's really good but they do flashbacks to like the before times and um it's done in kevin eastman's original tmnt comic style so Ooh. the flashbacks are all done with those heavy hash marks and everything it's really yeah. cool so it's a very good novel. I, I suggest a graphic novel. I suggest picking that up. Nice, great, very cool. I have one. I don't know if it's shown like the right, right way around or um, the. Well, Steph and I went to a bookshop yesterday in Prague, which might have been a mistake because we walked out with. Nope. <laughs> I think ten bookshops books. are never a mistake. <laughs> Only for your credit card. Exactly, that was glowing. Um, <laughs> the book I picked up is. Fantastic. I started reading it this morning and I'm almost halfway through. Wow. Maybe like a, th- a third. Well, to be fair, the, the, the big letters. <laughs> but um, it's called uh, Leng- Legends and Lattes, <laughs> which is basically an orc um, who's done with adventuring and she decides to open up a cafe. Oh, that's great. I love it. In a fantasy town, it's fantasy. Yeah. She opens up a cafe like I'm not going to go too much into detail, but needless to say, most of the people don't even know what cafe is. <laughs> That's, I love, I love stories. And, like that. Um, she decided to um, not die in battle or anything else. So like, she's a retired adventurer opening up a cafe with all the implications. It is fantastic. Sound it great? is such an easy read. Um, I laughed out loud so many times since I started reading the book and it's just nice to read. It's just one of that that makes you feel good and also makes you want to drink a lot of coffee while doing so. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing it down already. So, <laughs> yeah, what's the title again? Uh, Legends and Lattes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. It says high fantasy, low stakes, good company. Um, it's written by Davis Baldry, and um, he's been, from what I've read, uh, he's been a storyteller or audiobook narrator for years now. Mm-hmm. And he's also um, started designing, building video games. And one of them you might, you guys might know, Torchlight. At least that mm-hmm. I, I know oh, that yeah. game, which yeah, is yeah. kind of like similar to Diablo. Yeah, it's the game that gets you from Diablo. It, it holds you over from Diablo three to Diablo four. Is Torchlight? Yeah, exactly. Pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah, and then you got uh, Torchlight, Rebel Galaxy, and Fate. I'm not. I haven't heard about Rebel Galaxy. I think I heard about Fate. I haven't played it though. I highly recommend that book really good to read. and I've, i haven't finished it yet so it's i might be a little bit early on that one but i enjoy it so much so that's my recommendation cool that's like a good one 
Uh, I have... Well, it, it is this kind of a long-ish multi-part one. I've been sick this week. I was teaching a class this weekend, but the blacksmithing class, or the knife and leather making class I was supposed to have this coming weekend, I had to cancel because I've been sick and have been able to forge all the things I need, and I'm still sick. So I have had time to actually relax and play video because games. you're old now. <laughs> I played through Ori and the Blind Forest, and it's fantastic. So, like, that's, that's one. Uh, I started on Horizon Zero Dawn, which... Oh, that one is a good one. Yeah. I, I, it's very much like a in-between thing for me because I'm enjoying it. I'm having a bit of fun. But every now and again, it, the mechanics are just, just clunky. There's just things that doesn't work as smoothly as I would want it to be because I'm so used to the dynamic and the open world of the Assassin's Creed games. So I'm sitting here being like, this is annoying and this is annoying, but the game is actually good. It is good and the story is kind of fun. Uh, but coming from Assassin's Creed, especially like Valhalla, it's like, oh, mm. yeah, this game is, what, six years old now or something? Yeah. So it's like, it, it feels like it's a generation behind. Mm, yeah. uh, but mm. my proper focus this week is the season five of Jetlag the Game, where they are turning the whole of New Zealand into a board game. Ooh. And they're racing from the north to the south. And if you know your geography and realize, wait, there's two islands, there's water in between them. I say, yes, that's part of the fun. Also, you remember, they played, <laughs> uh, they, they recorded a lot of the Lord of the Rings movies in New Zealand. Yes, that is part of the fun. Mm-hmm. The whole, it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, if you imagine turning New Zealand into like uh, a board game where all of the major roads are the pathways you can take. Mm-hmm. And they branch off and, and go back together and all of that. But almost every single intersection is a challenge. Mm. And of course, because it's New Zealand, every once in a while, you have to find a volcano and destroy a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds and great. They add on, uh, they, I mean, they, they've been doing this for a long while, the jet like the game. So they, they have gotten really good at gamifying it and game theory testing it and all of that. So you have you can shoot each other with nerf that darts to lock each other in place for 30 minutes. You can curse the other team. For example, they need to listen to some kind of stupid New Zealand annoying song on full blast up until they complete the next challenge. Uh, they can no longer say any words that contains an E or they have to take a five-minute break. Oh, damn. They need to roll a dice every single time they want to move during a challenge uh, and they can only move them on amount of steps that the pips of the, of the die shows etc 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 and they can trust down the roadblocks and there's so much fun going on and it is wicked cool uh so cool in fact that because uh i have a time on my hand i wanted the next episode now and i ended up paying for nebula tv <laughs> which is 30 bucks for a whole year oh okay <laughs> oh nice so I've mm. been binging Nebula TV a fair bit, uh, and I'm having lots of fun with that. So that's my proper focus, especially Jet Like the Game, but also check out Nebula TV, and, and specifically Ooh. there's a lot of stuff that, it, it, sort of the, the long story of Nebula as they sell it, is this is a platform for YouTube creators who normally produce videos that doesn't get properly monetized, or the algorithm doesn't like on YouTube. Mm. 
So there's a there can be a lot of. Say that again. <laughs> I'm interested now. <laughs> Nebula. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's a, there's a lot of war history stuff. There's a lot of talk about uh, and documentaries and things like that on serious, long form, boring things or illegal things that YouTube doesn't like. What do you mean illegal things? Uh, drug history, for example. Okay. And and it's bad. No, but it's one of the they, they just they suppress it. Yeah, they don't want to show it to other people. Uh. They might not let you monetize the video if it's showing a lot of weapons. If it's about weaponry, it's, kind it's of like sh- it's like shadow ba- shadow yeah, yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Uh, and especially when it's uh, thirty bucks for for a year. Yeah, that's not bad. Mm. Uh, yeah. I I can live with. Yeah, that. that's that's yeah. not too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, just like the game specifically because the New Zealand season is fun. Nice. Keith isn't. Yep. If people want to do some friendly kind of stalking and or an utility map, where can people find you? Sure, um, I'm at Keith, Keith Decent on everything, um, and the utility mat is at the utility mat on Instagram, and my TikTok is a mix of both of those things because it's really annoying to have too many accounts. So yes, <laughs> and if you follow me on Twitter, um, I hope you like leftist politics because that's all I post there. uh and from the ground up is are we getting more about that oh yeah from the the podcast that i have not i have not updated in since october um not before that cheese um no no you had to see the episode was uh not that long ago yeah so yes that was the cd's nuts (laughs) episode (laughs) um Yes, from the ground up is my podcast. Uh, at from the ground up on Instagram, or just find it on your um, it's ftgupodcast.com. Uh, com, and there's links to everything there. It is a podcast that doesn't have any filler. It is literally just me uh, shotgunning information at you in story form about the history and story of how we make things, um, yeah. hi- history of plywood, uh, why CDs suck, all that kind of stuff, uh, uh, for eight eight to twenty minutes at a time. So there you go. It's good. Thank you. I work very hard on it. That's why I don't do it yeah. very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but if you have more episodes coming out, uh, I know a few people who are eagerly waiting. For I this. know. So do I. <laughs> so, so do I. <laughs> it's not like you have too much on your plate already. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, know. I was thinking actually about doing a series in which I follow along with my the, the invention thing because it's like, yeah, you know, from yeah. product development all the way to where, to where I will currently be for each episode. But I didn't want to take such a hard right hard hard zag on on something that people love so much already so but uh i i i hear what you're saying but i think it you would make it work good i think if i can condense it into like a four episode series and then actually put out some other episodes around it people wouldn't be so mad about like oh is this what you're doing now you know like (laughs) yeah that's a whole other conversation about pleasing people instead of doing what you want but never mind i don't don't like to make the podcast about me is what it comes down to so yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. Anyway, yes. if you want to get a hold of the rest of us, you can do that at Two Thirds Focused and on any of the mostly social places, including patreon.com slash two thirds focused, if you spell it out, because we don't like numbers in URLs, apparently. And you can find me. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, it's all Red's fault, really. <laughs> yes. And you can find me at Rasmus Lewin and Lewinsmeer.no. And you can find me at the Rasmus or Rasmus. Everyone on the internet, more specifically at TheWordsMiss.com. You can find me under Jan Maxwell or Jan Maxwell Photography on YouTube or just notamander.com for the other socials. Excellent. Thank you, Keith, for being on. Yes. Thank you, Keith. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to have you and, and listen to everything that you had to say. Yeah.
Thank you very much. My cat, my cat <laughs> says goodbye. <laughs> That's just perfect. <laughs> bye bye. Bye cat. <laughs>